This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's give Jesus a great hallelujah. He is awesome. He's wonderful. He's all together. He's amazing. Father, tonight as we come into your presence, dear sir, to to wonder at your magnificent miracles tonight. We saw the miracles, the healings. We wonder at your greatness and we, we honor you tonight, Father. We stand amazed at what you've done. When we look back on the 40 years, Father, we just are so humble. We thank you for what you've done, what you have accomplished, what you are going to accomplish, what you still are going to accomplish. Father, tonight as I stand before your people, I am a servant. And I thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit who will rise up big within me now. That I thank you, Father, you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare I am a servant, ready to be used of the Master tonight. And I thank you that I will declare your word, your word fiercely, boldly, accurately, carried by the wind of the Spirit. I thank you that fear will be dispelled and faith will rise up in the, the hearts of your people. And we are Christian Family Church. We are not only hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word. And therefore, we have good success in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to give a shout out to Natalie and Candace watching from Lafayette, Louisiana and from San Antonio, Texas. Hi, my girls. Thank you for being part of the service tonight. The title of my message is Don't Despise Small Beginnings. Every story has a beginning and this is mine. When I was 19 years of age, I had an encounter with God. I never saw angels. I never saw demons. I never went to heaven. I never went to hell. But I felt that God had put an elastic band around my waist. And every time I wanted to run in the wrong direction, I just felt the Lord is pulling me back, pulling me back, and pulling me back. There was a time in my life when I was 19, I was like a, a thirsty person. I needed God. I wanted to drink more of God. I, wanted, I was so hungry for more of God in my life. And, and really, I was seeking God. And so I walked on a bridge one day, and I don't know why it was a bridge, but it was on a bridge. And I, I cried out to God, and I, and I said, God, I've heard that, that Catherine Coleman, she's died. And God, if you want me to step up to the plate, here I am. I'll take her place. I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Anything you want me to do, Father, I'll do it for you. Just lead me and guide me so that I will fulfill my destiny for my life. At the time, I was living with my mom and Rob. And, and so I borrowed my mother's car and I would go and f- look for a church where I felt like I could belong, where, where I felt like I was at home. And I found a church and it was at least 30 or 40 minutes from where we lived. But every Sunday I went on my own. You didn't have to call me up and say, where are you? I was in my car going to church. No one had to follow me up and say, I haven't seen you for two weeks. Where are you? I was in my car and I was going to church. No No one had a follow-up system, but I had a God system inside me that was drawing me to church. And so I had a a God encounter and I went to church. One Sunday, I just walked up to the pastor and I just said, Pastor Fred and his daughter's here today, Joy. And she was so young when I was there. And I said, Pastor Fred, I feel God's called me into the ministry. I don't even know really what that means, but what do you think I should do? And Pastor Fred looked at me and he said to me, 
well, Beverly, you should need to go to Bible school. I said, well, that's a great idea. Maybe that's what I should do. And I thought maybe he was going to say there's one around the corner. But he said, you need to go to Dallas, Texas in the United States to a, a college called Christ for the Nations. Well, I looked at him. And you could have just said to me, why don't you just take a shuttle and go to the moon? <laughs> How was I? a single girl going to get money to go to Christ for the Nations, Dallas, Texas. I just didn't know what to do. But I was, had the call of God and I was obedient. So I went to my mother because my mother was a very good uh, businesswoman and quite a wealthy businesswoman at the time. And I said, Mom, I know that you've got the finances and, and I know that you want to help me because I am your daughter, your favorite daughter. And... Um, I'd like you to help me out. I'm going to go to Bible school, mom, and I'm going to go and study the word. And then I'm going to go into the ministry. So then she said to me, Bev, if you think that God has called you into the ministry, I'm going to teach you one of the best lessons you're ever going to learn in your life. And she took my hand in hers and she said, Bev, if you think that God has called you, then I want you to transfer your trust from my hand and put it into Jesus' hand. She said, I am not your source anymore. Jesus must be your source. It was the hardest lesson I ever had to learn, but I'm so grateful for that lesson. Has anyone ever said to you when you've asked them to borrow some money or you need something, and can you help me? And they say, no, you need to go to God and let him help you. Well, I knew that I needed to work hard and save all my money because that's how I knew I would get to this Dallas, Texas. And so I started to work and I saved my money. I only had four dresses for that year, but I wasn't perturbed. I changed my dress every day, washed it, and I just had four dresses. I didn't even go out with my friends on weekends because I was saving. I didn't want to go to movies. I didn't want to go out to eat because that would take my money. I wanted to save my money for Bible school. I applied to Christ for Nations in Dallas, Texas for a full scholarship, but I received only half a scholarship. I could have been discouraged, but I was not. Because on our way to our destiny, we will have the opportunity to be discouraged, opportunities to fail, opportunities to give up, but we must tap into the positive attitude of, I will never give up until God has caused me to fulfill my destiny. Somebody gave me, and I don't know who it was, and I thank God for it. They gave me a book by Oral Roberts called The Miracle of Seed Faith. It's a book that honestly changed my life and I live by it today. I learned three simple principles that have applied my whole Christian life. Number one, the first principle is God is our source. Say this, God is my source. Say it one more time, God is my source. You see, family, our job is not our source. Our salary is not our source. Our friends are not our source. Our neighbors are not our source. Our church is not our source. Our pastors are not our source. Our husbands and our wives, they are not our source. As much as I love my husband, I know that God is my ultimate source. 
But I thank the Lord for using him a lot. <laughs> Principle number two. We need to plant a seed. The power of a seed. If we have a need, we have to plant a seed. A seed. In the beginning, God said as long as the earth remains, there would be seed, time, and harvest. The Apostle Paul clearly pointed out the law of sowing and reaping. In Galatians 6, 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and you will receive. Not give and you might receive. Give and I'll think about giving you something back. No, it says give and you will receive. How are you going to get it? It's going to come back to you. It's going to be a full press down. It's going to be shaken together. And it's going to make room for more. It's going to be running over. It's going to pour into your lap. Because the amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. The amount we sow is the amount we get back. Principle number three, we've got to expect a miracle because God is a miracle working God. So God is our source, but he's our miracle worker. These principles are eternal. They are God given, they're as old as the Bible and they work every single time. If we apply the principles that we find in God's word, we will have good success in our lives. So I believe the book that Oral Roberts about of Oral Roberts, um, I had childlike faith. I just believed. I didn't try and figure it out. I didn't try and think it out logically, mathematically, or scientifically. I just believed. The church I went to was going to uh, have a building project, and so they were asking for a building offering. I was so excited. When they said, will you please give in to the building offering? Because there was my opportunity to sow my seed. Because I had a need. My need was to go to America. I needed airfare. I needed, I needed scholarship. I needed food. I needed clothes. I needed toiletries. I needed a lot. And so I couldn't wait. I went down to the, the bank and I got all the money out that I'd saved, every single penny that I'd saved, because I knew this was my opportunity to sow. And I sowed my seed, all of it, into that offering. You see, we might not see the solution to our challenges until we take the first step of faith. I don't believe I would be standing here today if I hadn't taken this first step. Miracles, large or small, all begin with the act of obedience. I had to sow my seed. I had to give in the building offering. So when I went home, I said, Mom, guess what? I took all my savings and I gave it to the church. My mother said, Beverly, you've lost your mind. You don't give all your money to the church. Then she says, that's what I'm talking about. This church just doesn't want your money, Beverly. Now that's not wise. What's wisdom is you save some and you spend some. You don't give everything away. But you know what? It didn't make sense to her, but faith doesn't make sense, does it? 
So two, two weeks later, my mother went to visit a gentleman, a business uh, a colleague of hers by the name of Nick Stain, who owned a large portion of the Durban Beach Fund at the time. And he said, and Sheila, how is your daughter Beverly doing? Oh, you know, that crazy daughter of mine, she gave all the work. Nick, she gave all her money to the church. That's what I'm talking about. The, money, the church just wants all her money. She gave it. She wants to go to Bible school, but she gave her money away, Nick. So you know what he did? He's a Jewish man. He wasn't even born again. He said, how much does she need? So he said, well, I know how much she needs for the airfare. was like 2,000 rand. In those days, he took out his checkbook and he began to write out my airfare. So that was the beginning of my miracles. I had half a scholarship and then I had my airfare to go to America and come back. The next miracle was I went to church and a businessman by the name of Len Cheek, he, he called me and he said, I've, I've heard you're going to go to Bible school and I heard you got half a scholarship. My business will sponsor you the other half of the scholarship. So there it was, family. I had my airfare. I had my scholarship. I was on my way to Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. Well, when I got there, I met Marlene, and we've been great friends ever since, forever and ever, right, Mom? So when I got there, the very first assembly was held by Mrs. Frieda Lindsay. She welcomed all the foreign, uh, foreign students, and, and especially those from, you know, overseas, from Africa and from India, and we all had to stand up, and, and they made a big fuss of us, and we sat down, and she said, okay, now I would like to receive an offering today for a missionary in Mexico by the name of Wayne Myers, and we're going to receive an offering, and we're going to buy him a four by four. When she said that she was going to receive an offering from students to, for a missionary to buy him a four by four. I, I just said to, to the Lord, um, Lord, I think this lady, she's got no clue. Does she know how I had to believe? Did she know I only had four dresses for the whole year? Did she know I had to trust you to get here? Did, and I've only got 700 rand for the whole year. How can she receive money from students? And as clear as anything, as I was having a conversation with the Lord in my head, I heard a st small, still voice saying, Beverly, how did you get here? I said, well, I got here by my giving. So he said, well, how do you think you're going to stay? So I said, okay, Lord, I get it. And so I took other 700 rand that I had for the year, I took 400 rand. And I sewed it into the offering for Wayne Myers uh, for his 4 by 4 In the natural, I felt like I was penniless again. But I knew that God was my source. I put my seed in the ground and I was going to expect another miracle. A few weeks later, a gentleman walked up to Marlene and myself. And he said, are you girls from Africa? And we said, yes, we are. So he looked at us, you're from Africa? Yes. Then he said he had a big cowboy hat on, he had a big buckle and big cowboy shoes. And he said, well, the Lord has told me that I must take care of you for the whole year. I must buy all your groceries. I must lend you my car. I must pay the petrol. Well, 
Now, we never knew that angels came dressed up as Texans. We ate well for the whole year. We had a car for the whole year. We were taken care of because of a seed. Then while we were at Bible school, I decided I was going to start using my faith for a husband. Because I knew I was called to the ministry and I was not wanting to go on my own. And, the, and Psalm 37 verse 4 says, If you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And so I, I was very specific in what kind of husband I wanted because if you pray, Father, give me a husband, then when he comes, you don't like it. It's because you just was very vague. <laughs> so it's very important to be specific what you want. So I said, Lord, first of all, I would like a husband who would lead me and guide me and would be more spiritual than I am. And I would like him to be tall, blonde, and with blue eyes. And then I reminded that the Lord took the animals in the ark two by two, and then they came out of the ark two by two, and I was going one by one. And I said, Lord, I need to have my partner with me. Well, at the end of the year, just towards the end of the year, I got a phone call from this gentleman. And he um, said, uh, I picked up the phone and it was um, Apostle Theo. And he said, hello, Beverly. He's actually with my mother, uh, who smiley said, if you want to get to know Beverly, you need to get her mother. Because you can't get to be- uh, Beverly if you don't go her mother first, right? So I heard, he said, hello, Beverly. So I said, hello. He said, this is Theo. So I said, Okay. So he said, well, um, I'd like to take you out when you come from Bible school with the intention of marrying you. It's called the direct approach. (laughs) So I said, well, I don't really know you. I'll go out with you, but I can't marry you because I don't know you and I don't love you. But I'll see you when I get back. He was at the airport with a big bunch of roses. And so our adventure began. Now, you must remember, I only really gave my life to the Lord at 19, and I'm like 22 now. And Apostle Theo knew so much about faith that I never knew. So he said, Bev, I want to marry you. So I said, you know what, I, um, I would love to marry you, but I really don't know you and I, I don't really love you. So he said, okay, well, when we go out, will you, let's play a game. So I said, oh, well, good, I like, I like, let's play a game. So he said, every time I say, I love you, you must say back to me, I love you. So we went for dinner and he said, Bev, I love you. I said, I love you. He said, no, I, I love you. And I said, I love you. Then he said, Bev, I want you to know I love you. Thea, I want you to know I love you. Do you know it wasn't a week later. I was so head over heels in love with him. <laughs> I never knew about confession brings possession. <laughs> we got married so quickly 
And then we decided we'll go down to Cape Town on our honeymoon because my husband said to me, Bev, I believe God's going to speak to us where we should start a church. So let's plan our honeymoon. So I planned our honeymoon all around Cape Town. So if the Lord was going to talk to us, it would be around the Cape area. As we drove down the garden route, at that time, we only stayed in bed and breakfast. And I would look at hotels. And I said, you know, honey, one day I'd love to stay in a beautiful hotel. And what I loved about him, and I still do today, is I love him because he always uses his faith. I married a man full of faith and full of vision. This was far more important to me than marrying a rich man. Because if you marry a man of faith, he will always be able to believe God for every area of your life. And Dr. Theo, uh, Apostle Theo felt the Lord was going to speak to us, but he didn't speak to us in Cape Town, unfortunately. But when we came back to Durban, God spoke to Apostle Theo and told him exactly where we should start the church. And so that night, he went to see uh, Fred Roberts, Dr. Fred Roberts, and as he walked into the church, Dr. Fred Roberts said, Hi, Theo, I know exactly where you should start the church. So Apostle Theo said, where? So Dr. Roberts said, you should go to Bedford View, Johannesburg. But that was already in Apostle Theo's heart. And so our journey of faith began. We were so excited about the ministry. We couldn't wait to go. One night we went to church and there was a man who was believed to be a prophet. And we were called forward and he, pre he prophesied doom and gloom over us. He prophesied and told Apostle Thea that he, had a, he was not called in the ministry. I was not called in the ministry. That he had a, his own doctrine and it was not a correct doctrine. And so after church, we were driving home. Although I was very embarrassed and disappointed, I never for one minute doubted the call of God in my life or on the life of my husband. And you see, family, we must not be led by people or prophets. We must, they, prophet must only confirm what God has put in your heart. Romans 8, 14 says, as many are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So Apostle Theo said, Beverly, we don't have to be embarrassed. We don't have to be disappointed because we know what God is saying to us and we're not going to let the devil stop us that easily. And so we packed everything in our white Chevrolet car and off we went. We left our church, we left our friends, we left our family, we left every, everybody we knew, and off we went. We were obedient to the call of God on our lives. When we got to Bedford View, we rented an apartment in a block of flats called Nahoon. Now, we were on the ground floor, and Apostle Theo had done uh, um, some real estate business before we got married, and so he had sa money saved up. And we were going to build a house. So, but one night... The Lord spoke to Apostle Thea and said, I don't want you to build a house. I want you to take all the money that you save from your deals in real estate, and I want you to start the church with it. So Apostle Theo said, Lord, I am obedient, I'm willing, but do you mind just speaking to my wife about this? And so lying in bed one night, Apostle Theo said, Bev, is the Lord speaking to you about anything that we should do? So I said, funny enough, I really believe we should take all the money that we've saved, and let's just start the church with that. And so he said, funny enough, uh, yes, I'll agree with you on that. Meantime, the Lord already told him before. In all the 40 years we, of ministry, we have always been in agreement when it's come to big decisions in ministry. 
We were in on the ground floor. When we started, we had no furniture. So um, his brother had lent us a desk. So we took out the desk. The ch- um, we took out the drawers. We put them sideways, and voila, we had chairs. So that's how we started. We had one bed and one desk and no furniture. We used to go and get dressed in the bathroom because everyone could see us otherwise. And everyone thought that our apartment was always um, up for rent because it didn't look like anybody was living there. But we had faith. We had a vision. And sometimes that's all you need when you're starting out. You've got to have a vision and you've got to have faith. Many people want to start out their journey in life with everything. They don't value a small beginning. They wish for big ministry. They wish for a big business. But every ministry, every business starts out as a seed. Inside a seed lies a tree. On a tree, fruit is found. Inside the fruit, there's more seeds. Then you replant those seeds and it equals more trees and more fruit. And the planting of those seeds equals more trees and more fruit until a forest arises from one seed. And as I think about all the churches that have started out of one seed, I can see a forest has begun to bloom. Don't despise small beginnings. It's time to, it's time to decide what your tomorrow will be based on your dedication today. Large ministries don't come by wishing. You don't need a wishbone, you need a backbone. When you know what God has called you to do, you have no choice in life but to fulfill it. Our very first service was in Eastgate uh, Shopping Center, and my husband and I had handed out 2,000 leaflets in the car park to people, and we told them this amazing, incredible international ministry is about to begin, and so we handed out the leaflets, 2,000 leaflets, because my husband said that at least 10% of the people will come, that makes it 200, so we hired a space, and we put out 200 chairs, and we're ready to go. I told my husband, I said, I know that you're going to preach, what do you want me to do? So he said to me, well, um, let me see. He said, why don't you make, lead the praise and worship? So I said, I can lead the praise and worship. The only problem is I can't sing. But I, I mean, whether it's A-E, whatever, I cannot sing. But I said, I can make a joyful noise. Now, if you think I'm enthusiastic now, you go 40 years ago. You rewind then. I was super bouncy and I was very, very enthusiastic. So that morning, I remember my husband is praying in tongues, and, and he was praying, and, and so we were so excited because we knew that at least 200 people would come to our first service. And so um, we waited, we waited, we waited, we waited, and guess how many people came to our first service? Two. Two men stand in the front. So I thought, well, this is it. So I went there, and I said, Welcome to Christian Family Church, where Jesus is Lord International. We're so excited about today. Why don't you turn around and welcome everybody? The two men just looked at me. 
And then I said, we're going to praise the Lord. And I thought, Lord, it doesn't matter. If I can just give past this, if they can get past me praising the Lord, wait until my husband comes, because although I say, let's praise the Lord, everybody stand. Come on, everybody, let's all stand together. The two little men stood up like that with their big eyes looking at me. Praise the Lord, let's lift our hands and let's sing to glory. And we had a, a CD playing and I would just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. And then after praise and worship, I sat down. These men were just like, I just think they were overwhelmed by this woman. <laughs> Nevertheless, they sat down and my husband came. I knew that if my husband would come, they would be calm because as he came to the pulpit, and of course, you know that he's now prayed up 110 hours. You know, he's so anointed and, and everything would calm down as soon as he got here. And the two men looked at him and he preached the word of God. And you won't believe it, family. You will not believe it. But the whole church got born again. The whole church, the whole church got born again. How many of you pastors can say the first service, your whole church gets born again? And then my husband and I, we were so green. I was greener than him. We didn't know what to do. Waved our congregation goodbye. Bring somebody next week. Bring somebody next week. Well, of course, my husband and I, we just prayed. We didn't know what else to do. And the next week, you won't believe, family, four people came to church. A whole church doubled in one week. And we knew we were in revival. Glory to God. How many churches doubled in one week? Our church doubled in one week. Oh, we knew we were in revival. We're so excited. When the first church was born, the apostle said in Acts 6, 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is how they were able to sustain the fire in the early days. When they prayed, there was undeniable proof that they had touched heaven. When Apostle Theo and I started the church in 1979, we had no staff. And so from 1979 to 1985, Apostle Theo prayed six to seven hours every single day in the Holy Spirit. There were times my brother-in-law, George Trotsky, uh, prayed with him. And I prayed with a few ladies at five o'clock. My sister was uh, Brenda Trotsky, Jill Barry, and then Colleen uh, Mark Aiken and your wife used to come and pray with me. We had supernatural growth, supernatural finance, supernatural miracles just showed up. And this ministry is what it is today because Apostle Thea birthed it in prayer. We will never last in the ministry if we don't make prayer a priority. If we want to maintain a successful and be a successful Christian that goes the distance and lasts and finishes our race, we need to persevere in prayer. Many people have the idea as a Christian that as a Christian, you're going to have everything handed to you on a silver platter. But things don't happen that way. If we don't pray, nothing happens. 1 Corinthians 16:9 says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, but there are many adversaries. Oh boy. As a young wife in ministry, in the beginning I was just overwhelmed by the idea that everyone's going to love us. We're going to have the most incredible time. We're going to love everybody. Everyone's going to love us. I had no idea about the adversaries that would come our way when you step into ministry or you say to Jesus, I'm serving you with all my heart. 
In the early years of our ministry, there was a certain gentleman who made our life a misery. His mission was to stop us at all costs. As a wife, I watched my husband being discredited and lied about continually, sometimes on a weekly basis. And I really got wounded by the leadership of, of Christians and I wanted to retaliate in the, fr- in the flesh because, you know, as a mama bear, you come near my children, you come near my husband, my claws are coming out, and I'm going to take you apart. But my husband, being the man he is, he would say to me, Beverly, I want you to learn to give, forgive this gentleman. You must learn to forgive. When you're lied about, when you're discredited, when you're trying to do the right thing and bad things keep on going, you have to learn to forgive when it's not your fault. Sometimes I felt like Nehemiah did when he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and Sanballat came and tried to discourage him and to stop him from going forward. Has anyone ever tried to stop you from going forward? I felt that the ministry had become the mafia. The serious challenge we faced carried on for 13 long years. The first 13 years were no honeymoon for us in ministry. It was very difficult. We had many devils to fight. uh, fight. But as I talk about it now, truly, there's not one ounce of unforgiveness in my heart, resentment or bitterness, because I realized it was an opportunity that came my way that I could grow and develop, that I could mature in the things of God. As Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. I can see how Satan came against us to destroy the ministry from the beginning. But now I can see how God, what God has done, and we give God all the glory for the lives that have been saved and touched, for the miracles, the healings, the signs, the wonders over the past 40 years. Life is full of obstacles and hurdles, but if we are going to overcome in life and become an overcomer, we have to pass the test of unforgiveness. We have to forgive. Joseph was sold, betrayed by his brothers, put in a pit for 13 long years. He had trials and tests and adversities. I felt like we were Joseph many years. Then David fled from Saul, hiding in caves for He also went for 13 years hiding from Saul. But we will never get to where we want to be in life without being able to push through the adversities that come our way. David said in Psalm 27, 13, Give me not up to the will of my adversity, for false witnesses have risen up against me. They breathe out cruelty and violence. But what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? David kept his his vision alive, even though he went through such difficult times. And Apostle Theo always kept the vision alive. And he said, Bev, we're not going to fail. We're going to overcome. We're going to go over this mountain. We're going over this hurdle. We're pulling down strongholds. We're binding the devil. We're going to win in this life. He said, God has called us to impact nations. Let me ask you, what would have become of you if you had not believed in the goodness of God? Because Satan wants us to fail, but God has other plans for our lives. Glory to God. 
People were after David. They hunted him down. They lied about him. And he went through it all. But you know what? He put his trust in the Lord. He could have given up, but he didn't. We could have given up, but we didn't. You could give up, but you won't give up in Jesus' name. David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34, 6 says, he said, this poor man cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard him and the Lord saved him from his troubles. The Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around about those who fear him and he, they deliver him. So family, when adversity comes, we just have to get a hold of God and we pray in the Holy Ghost. God is going to deliver us. God is going to set us free. God is going to make us overcomers. God is going to make us winners. We are going to overcome. We're going to be the head and not the tail when we take our authority in the earth and we speak to the devil and we pray in tongue and pull him down in Jesus' name. We could have been knocked out in the last 40 years. We've been through so much. We have been through so much. And as a family, we've been through so much, but through it all, God has delivered us and God has kept us and God has, has been good to us and we've seen the goodness of God. I'll give you a few examples where we've seen the goodness of God as a mom or as a wife. One Christmas, we were having church and we were, uh, I was the, narrating the play and I was all dressed up like they did in the Bible days. And Apostle Theo had this strong urge to pray. And so he prayed in the Holy Ghost. And family, I want you to know that when you yield to the precious Holy Ghost and you pray in tongues, God is going to deliver you. He's going to save your family, save you from tragedy. So yield to the precious Holy Ghost when you get the burden to pray. And so he had a burden to pray the night that I was narrating the play. And when he was doing the altar call, I never leave church. I personally think it's very rude and disrespectful to get up during the altar call and leave. So nevertheless, but that day I had such an urge to go home. And so I left the church early, got in my car and went home. And I opened up the gate and I drove into our, our driveway and I got out my car. And as I got out my car and I was going to the door, there was a huge man came running past me. And I just looked at him, he's in my property. And the first thing that went through my head, now you know how spiritual I am, is He's got such a big head. <laughs> and then I went, who's there? And the four burglars looked at me. They dropped everything and they ran as in terror. But you know what, family? As Apostle Thea had yielded the Holy Ghost that day and he had prayed in tongues. So when those burglars came and they came to do me harm, they never saw me, but they saw my angels, my warrior angels, all around me with, with the swords of fire. And you know what, family? You've got angels around you and they're going to protect you from harm and from danger. So yield to the precious Holy Spirit and the Lord will deliver you out of all your troubles. He'll deliver deliver you out of all your difficulty. He'll deliver you out of all your trials. He has delivered us out of all our trials and he will deliver you out of all your trials. In Jesus name, he will deliver you. There was a time that my children were not serving the Lord. They got offended in church. How many have been offended in church? We've all been offended in church. I put my hands up, my knees up, my feet up. We've all had opportunity to be offended in church. 
And so my daughters got offended in church by their, my youngest daughter, Candace, wanted to go to Club J, which was a Christian nightclub that we had in those days. And she always hung around with all the kids. And so there was an age limit, but they wouldn't allow her to go in. And she loved to dance and she loved to, to worship the Lord. So the one night a youth leader picked her up, put him on, her on his shoulders, and he physically took her out of the church and he put her outside. And he said, Candace, you're not welcome here. He said, I don't care who your parents are. So that night, she didn't say anything to us, but the next day, the friends at school said to her, Candice, you don't have to worry about going to church. They're not your family, but we'll come to the club, and we'll make, uh, the club will make you a brand new family. So she went to the club, and even though she was underage, I said, just wear a short skirt and go low top, and Candy will let you in. And so we lost our daughter into the world and of very, very bad, and, and so, but you know what, thank God, thank God that she's got a mother and a father like us, because we said, no, 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 the devil, you're not going to take our children while we are saving others, you're trying to take ours, and you see, when you are serving the Lord, the devil's going to come against you in every area of your life, but you have to rise up, there's something inside you're going to say, no, devil, you're not taking my child in the name of Jesus, I bind you in the name of Jesus, loose my child in the name of Jesus and pray in other tongues. And so we prayed in other tongues. We prayed in other tongues. When they would come home late at night, they would be drunk and I'd open the door and say, welcome home, you mighty woman of faith. You may go up to your bedroom. I have anointed it with olive oil. I've cast all the devils out. If you bring some more, I'll just cast them out, but you can go to bed. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. We did not give up on our children's salvation. Do not give up on your children's salvation, no matter how bad it looks. Even if they don't want to come to church, you force them to come to church. I know Apostle Theo said, Candice, you will come to church with you. Like it or not, you'll get in my car, and you'll sit in church, and you'll stand in church. She would stand in church, and she would fall asleep standing up. Everyone sat down, and my child sitting up and standing up. And I was leading praise and worship those days, and I just wanted to get the shoe off and throw it at her from the platform. So we have been through it with our kids. But you know, when I look back, I see the goodness of God. And when you look back, you can see the victories of God in your life. And today, my girls are mighty women of God. And I give God all the praise and the glory for that. And family, if your children are backslidden, you cry out to the Lord. He will hear you and he'll bring your children home. If your marriage is broken, cry out to the Lord. He will heal your marriage and God, give God all the glory. Your heart may be shattered tonight, but God is going to make it whole in Jesus' name. If you're struggling financially, I want you to know that if you become a tither, you can boldly declare that God meets all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hold fast your confession of faith and see the goodness of God in your life. Family, even though we've been through hell, we keep on walking. We don't camp in hell. We keep on walking, right? When we're in the storm, we don't stay in the storm. We Praise the Lord until He delivers us out of the storm. Family, when we're in the fire, just remember there's someone else in the fire with you. Glory to God. We are not alone in the fire. There's someone else standing in the fire who's greater, who's mighty, who's a miracle worker, who's going to deliver us out of the fire. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is awesome. 
And so we give God all the glory for this church. We give God all the glory for our sons and our daughters, our staff and our pastors and all the churches that have been established. We give God all the glory for the works around the nations, for the Bible schools. I give all the glory to my husband. Well, I give the glory to the Lord, but I want to thank my husband for being such a man of faith, standing this test of time. Throughout incredible challenges, you have never failed. You've never said anything negative. You've always been positive and saying, I know the will of God for my life. But now, family, as I look to the future, as we as a church look to the future, we are standing in a precipice or a threshold for our next adventure in God. As we are celebrating 40 years of ministry, the number 40 is mentioned in the Bible 146 times. The number 40 symbolizes and generally symbolizes a period of testing, trial, and probation. During Moses' life, he lived 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the desert before God selected him to take his people out of bondage. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and it wasn't over, and it wasn't until he was fasted that he faced the greatest temptation that he ever experienced, and he passed this test. He came out of this test with great power and did great miracles. I believe as a church, I believe as a couple, we have been through 40 years of testing, of trial, of probation, and by God's grace, we have stood the test of time. But now, family, it is our time as a Christian family church around the world, as we stand at the precipice of our next 40 years, we are going out of the wilderness and we are going into our promised land and we are going to take everything that God has for us. We are going to see greater miracles in our future. We are going to see a greater anointing on our lives in the future. We are going to see the favor of God like never before in our lives. We're going to have the provision of God in our lives like never before. And I prophesy to you tonight that the best is yet to come. That your future is better than your past. That God is for you. Who can be against you? It is our time to cross over and possess everything that God has for you and me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 